0: Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. A dream, a dream a Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna love me for my ambition. ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. He did a dream, a dream that was harder the live. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna love me for my ambition. ambition, ambition. Welcome on into episode 140. <clears throat> yes. 140 episodes in the basket, in the bucket. Yes, Monday, May 16th, 2016, and we are here to preview the Western Conference and Eastern Conference finals for 2016. We're here, people. We made it. We have made it through 140 episodes daily since November 2nd all the way until May 16th, 2016, and we are here. We are here to get you going and get you ready for the final conference finals before we get to the NBA finals that start and tip off the first week of June, June 2nd to be exact, and the Western Conference finals is getting tipped off Tonight, and it is going to be an unbelievable series
1: it's going to be great
0: like yeah no it's 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 been crazy I mean it is been, I'm telling you hundred and forty episodes I've been crazy i can't believe no one's really been calling in on a regular basis to try and kick it in with this studio show I mean this has been an unbelievable unbelievable year for basketball and we're here to give it to you and today we had some breaking news off the court again uh, a, a coach signing and also a uh, an award given out as well we still don't have the awards given out per year oh and by the way i was off i was incorrect on the lottery drawing that will be tomorrow that is 24 hours from now we will know the number one number two number three through 14 picks in the nba draft we will know that after tomorrow about 24 hours from now, to be exact. And uh, also another bunch of other things, we don't have the awards yet for the first, second, and third team all NBA. We don't We do not have those ones announced yet, but we should have them soon. Um, Obviously, Rookie of the Year was announced. We'll get to that year in a moment. And the Eastern Conference playoffs ended last night in a brutal Game 7, and we'll talk about that here in just a moment. If you'd like to call in to CLNS Radio, my name is Seymour Buckets. Chris Morrison, to be exact. The phone number is 323-642-1558 is the number. It's an exciting time of year. Obviously, basketball getting into the, the, the real, real a sweet spot of what it's all about in the Western and Eastern Conference playoffs and it all got started after the game from last night. Here we go. Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals tonight, but Game 7 and Game 6 from Toronto-Miami were in the last were on Friday and on Sunday afternoon. Let's get it going. All right, all right, all to right. learn today. Uh, on Friday, the Heat and uh, excuse me, the Heat and Raptors played, and it was a big time game for the Miami Heat as they tried to push the series to go to seven, and they got it done at home. They found a way, big time play again by Goran Dragic. Kyle Lowry finally showing up, 36 points in Game Six, but not enough. As Dwayne Wade in the Miami Heat found a way to pull it out and get the victory. They dominated in the second quarter, again, to push it forward, to get it done at home, to push it to a game seven, and they found a way to do so, winning 103-91. to Goran just absolutely went off 30 points, seven rebounds, four assists. On Un- like let's be honest, he normally is not the one to score 30. Dwayne Wade, 22 points on 21 shots, not the most efficient ball game, but he found a way to stay effective and stay relevant. In this one, Joe Johnson, 13 massive points. Uh, Josh McRoberts, unbelievable game by him, 10 points off the bench in 18 minutes. This team found a way to get it done and push it to a game seven. And and Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan did all they could to keep this team afloat, scoring a combined 59 points in the 91-point effort. They scored over half their team's points, and they couldn't quite get it done Uh, Because the bench, again, came out flat. Corey Joseph, seven points off nine shots in 26 minutes off the bench. That's not going to get it done. And Terrence Ross, again, six points off the bench. Let let me me just say something. You know, I don't know if anyone remembers, but there was a commercial early on in the season. Actually, it was before the season began in the NBA for the playoffs, you know, the, the road to the playoffs. You know, the Clippers had one. I believe the Warriors had one. I think the Spurs might have had one. The Cavs had one as well. And after watching Game 6 and Game 7 over the weekend between the Toronto Raptors and the Miami Heat, I have thought of the perfect analogy. Listen to this ad. This is, I'm sure you all know what this one is. Just listen to it, and then I'll give you my analogy of what the Eastern Conference looks like for the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is a true story about the wills of men. And the pursuit of a goal, to end their city's great drought. This is their journey. This is The Quest on TNT. Hey, LeBron, Kevin, Kyrie. Man, we can't get to the top of the east on a camel. It's hot out here. Where the heck is this net? Oh, you can. You can get to the top of the east on a camel. Now, okay, look. Looking at – left, if you watch that ad, which I'm sure many of you who are listening to the show have seen and know what you i talking about, when you see that ad, isn't it ironic how easy the Eastern Conference is for the Cavs? And that commercial sets it out perfectly. The Eastern Conference is literally a desert. The only people trudging across the Eastern Conference desert right now are the Cleveland Cavaliers. This – look, after watching Toronto, And after watching Miami play in this second round, Toronto has had to go two straight series to seven as the two seed. Now think about this. Now if they were the one seed and they had to go to a seven-game series against the eight seed, you'd be like, huh? Then they had to do it against the three seed. Okay, a little difficult, get it. But they had to go back-to-back series to go seven. And they're the two seed in the East. And they played the number seven seed. Now, don't get me wrong. They played the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers are not your generic seven seed in the Eastern Conference. If anything, the Eastern Conference, two through seven, was pretty much two through eight, pretty much all the same teams. You could have flip-flopped. It wouldn't have mattered. The Cavs are still going to come out on top. And it's funny because that commercial is so accurate. You know, it's intense, you know. The story's intense. The Cleveland Cavaliers are going to make it to the Eastern Conference playoffs, and they're going to do it, and they're going to get – they have a chance. They're going to try and get to the, the, the playoffs, the finals. they guy got to get to the final. You know, when you really start thinking about the analogy of that commercial, and then the guy complains, ah, it's too hot. We can't make it to the top of the Eastern not Yeah, you can. Eight straight victories to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And they've had almost – look, going back to when they last played – it will have been nearly 10 days since the last time they played a basketball game when game one tips off tomorrow between the Raptors and, and Cavs in Cleveland. Now just think about that. They, they could have easily lifted themselves on a camel through the – even though it's hot. They, they could have done it. Look, hot garbage is a better way to say it. Absolutely terrible terrible, terrible, terrible Eastern Conference this year from the standpoint of being on the same level as the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, is that the Cavs' fault? No, they're taking care of business. They've won eight straight games. I don't care how they've won those games. I don't care what they've done to maximize their efforts. They have done their job. They have swept teams that are inferior to them, and they've done it in a, in a landscape where you can't sit back and say, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Look, if you go back to 2001 when the Lakers went I believe 15 and one in the playoffs. The only game they lost was game one to Allen Iverson, still one of the greatest games of all time, in my opinion. But in the Western conference playoffs, you watch that game and you watch that team and they absolutely crushed everyone they played. Now that they dominate, like they should know, but they were the better, more, more superior team to everybody they faced in that playoffs now they dominate every single game no but that's not the narrative the narrative is they they stumbled and bumbled and dominated through the western conference playoffs and they made it to the eastern they made it to the nba finals and if it wasn't for an Allen iverson 48 point game in overtime on the road a superhuman effort by Allen iverson that would have been a sweep job by the lakers in that postseason that would have been the greatest postseason run of all time all time no debate it still probably is to many people's eyes. That's just how great Allen Iverson was in that game. But outside of that, look—you got to look at it from this perspective. This is exactly what the Cavs are doing. I mean, they're so more—they're so much more superior to everyone on the court in the Eastern Conference. And we've mentioned it. We mentioned it in the last show, episode one thirty-nine. If you'd like to check it out, Chris uh, from uh, the, the the Pacific Northwest region, he talked to me. We talked about how they need to reseed the playoffs, and he also we he also put up his article today. If you didn't want to see it, simply hoops on uh, on uh, sports blog. Uh, Simply Hoops, if you want to check it out, uh, he put up a new one about the lottery playoff thing. We talked about it on Twitter today. If you want to check that out as well, my my Twitter account is at CMOBuckets253. But the point is, is the Eastern Conference is so easy that when you think about it, you know, the Eastern Conference is the desert. When they get to the finals it's going to be like meeting up at Vegas. Think about it it this way. I know I'm a huge Vegas fiend. I know I love Las Vegas. I've talked about living there. I want to live there eventually. But when you think about the circumstances going on in the NBA and what the Eastern Conference looks like, it is bone dry. I'm telling you, this 2nd place team in the East, the Toronto Raptors, you could not tell the difference between them and the Indiana Pacers in that series. I don't care who you are. They were the same team. They were both the same. That's why they went seventh. Then against the Miami Heat, pretty much the same team. Now, does that mean the Miami Heat are g- great or good? Or could they have been better with Chris Bosh? Sure, absolutely. I think the Miami Heat would have been an unbelievable team this year if everyone stayed healthy all the way through. And I think next year it will be their last year. I honestly think next year is the final year for the Heat to finally push through and get to the Eastern Conference Finals because we don't know what's going to happen with Chris Bosh. We don't know what's going to happen with that. But the point is, is, is by the way – Eastern Conference, bone dry, just like a desert. Then you get to the NBA Finals where you either meet up with, hey, you're going to meet up with, you know, two years ago and Kevin Durant or the back-to-back MVP and Steph Curry. Uh, you're going to face an MVP in the NBA Finals. And it's, just, like I said, the desert is out in Nevada, California, Africa. Uh, you go out to certain parts of the Middle East. You're going to see desert. And, and that's what the Eastern Conference is. It is bone dry, horrific, terrible, awful. Don't want to be there if you don't got water. It's bad. It's hot. It's hot garbage. It's bad. And for that being said, you know for the, for the, uh, the Eastern Conference and, and getting to the finals, like I said, it's like meeting up in – it's like you're in Nevada. It's like you're in the big Nevada desert, Death Valley, and the next thing you know, boom, you're in Vegas. And you got a party. Well, the party's going to be between either Steph Curry and LeBron, or Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and LeBron and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. It's, it's going to be a party for the the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron's going to get to his sixth straight NBA Finals. It's going to happen. It just depends on how many games it's going to take. I mean, everyone's saying sweep. It's been almost ten games since they last played. Who do you, you really think this team's going to come out dry and not ready to play against the Toronto Raptors? They're going to smoke the Raptors. The Raptors have played, think about this, the Raptors have played the maximum amount of games in these first two series, and the Cleveland Cavaliers have played the minimum amount of games. Who do you think is going to be more ready and prepared to play against another team? I think the Cavs are the most rested teams heading into this Eastern Conference Finals in NBA history. I I don't think you can debate that. And, and yeah, will they have rust? Maybe a little bit because they haven't been game ready for such a long time. But from the standpoint of them absolutely just having the the more talent, the better talent on the floor, they're they're, they're prepared and ready to go. I mean, Tuesday is two days away. The Cavs are going to absolutely smoke this Toronto Raptor team. It's just going to depend on how how much time it takes. Now, I will say this, if the Raptors come out, and they play the way that they played in, the, in these last two games with their backcourt and the way they produced. Look, Kyle Lowry and, and Demar Derozan darn near scored sixty points on Saturday, or excuse me, Friday, and then they darn near almost scored. And in fact, they did. They scored sixty-three points on Sunday, yesterday, winning one sixteen to eighty-nine, and they held that Miami Heat team in check. Every there were there were six guys on the Miami Heat who finished in double figures. But no one scored above 16 points. Dwayne Wade at 16. Rodgers had 16. Winslow, 14. Luol Deng at 12. Joe Johnson, 13 again. McRoberts, 10. Now, don't get me wrong. The, uh, the, the Miami Heat were not healthy. They don't have Chris Bosh on the floor. Hassan Whiteside was not on the floor. The whole series changed. But for the Raptors, they lost Jonas Valanciunas. They're not healthy either. And that's another scary thing, you know. Look, that's another reason why the why the Miami Heat, or excuse me, the Cleveland Cavaliers, are going to absolutely throttle the Toronto Raptors. I mean, the Toronto Raptors, look, they need Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Look, if Kyle, if the Toronto Raptors make it to the NBA Finals this year, just write it up as one of the greatest one of the greatest upsets of all time. And this will be a number two seed. Just think about that. They need Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan to absolutely carry the load. They need them. I mean, they need them to score like seventy. 80 points a game, and then ask for 20 or 50 or 20 or 30 from each guy, from you know com- combined from everybody else. Because this bench, and they've proven it. And, I, and again, I said this from the onset of the beginning of the season. This team needed their bench to step up this year. Guess how many points the bench scored last night in their 116 points? 11, 11 points. Terrence Ross had eight, 18 minutes off the bench. Corey Joseph had one point. Yeah. And then this norieger guy, one minute, two points. You're, I mean, look, you're talking about an effort that the entire starting rotation for the Raptors has to start. And, and, and if you're a Raptors fan, I'm, seri- I'm serious. Enjoy yourself for game three and game four. Because if you expect your team to win ball games with over 100 points in the starting rotation, write it up. It's over. I mean, it's, it's, the series is already over. I don't care if you take a game from Cleveland in the first two. I don't care if, you, if, you, if you're up 2-1 in the series going back to Cleveland. I, I really don't care or, or going into a game four. I, you're not going to win this series. You cannot rely. This deep in the postseason, especially with how great the second unit of the Cleveland Cavaliers team is, you cannot sit back and tell me that the starting rotation of the Raptors, who scored over 100 points in this game, that they can hang with the Cleveland Cavaliers. That is an absolute joke. Eleven points off the bench, and you still found a way to dominate the heat. First of all, that's a great performance by the starting rotation. Give it up. I mean, give give it up for the give it up for the Raptors. hundred and five points by their starting rotation last night. You, you think you're gonna beat the Cavs doing that? The Cavs have one of the best second units in the NBA, just like the Warriors, just like the Thunder. They're all in their own same unit. The, the Spurs are, too, but unfortunately they got old real fast. Uh, Midnight hit the Spurs real quickly on that one. Uh, but, but but the Miami Heat, they have a really good second unit, and unfortunately they hit some – I mean, look, you lose two of your best big men and and probably two top 20, top 10 big men in the league in some people's eyes, and you're looking at a team where they're just depleted. They just don't have it. They didn't have the talent. Udonis Haslam is – Clearly over the hill. He can't even perform in these series anymore. I mean, he can't. He can't do anything anymore. He's done. You talk about Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili being done. Udonis Hadlam is done. He is way over the hill. McRoberts, he can't fill in for what Bosh and Hassan Whiteside can do every night. It was just evident. Amari Stoudemire is still stealing money from from teams. You know, he can't do anything on the court. And the Raptors, they get 105 points from their starting rotation to win a ball game. Look, you're, you're not going to win games against the Cavs doing that. Tuesday night, 8:30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. You better believe I'm going to be tuning into that one NBA Countdown on ESPN, uh, charged up by Mountain Dew. It's going to be a, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch if you're a Cavs fan. But as a Raptors fan, I'm telling you, get your white flags, get your uh, get your get your fishing poles, and get ready to go because you're you're not winning. It's just not going to happen. You could win a couple games, you can make it interesting, but from the standpoint of what we all know, what's going to happen, the Raptors stand absolutely. No chance in winning the series. And if they do, I'll sit on the radio and I'll tell you, I was the most dumb, ignorant, dumbest human being of all time. There's no way the Raptors win the series against the Cavs. And I give it a 100% chance. Look, a 100% chance. Look, LeBron has this whole thing of, you know, 100% chance of a 0% probability not working. You know, thank you, Kia, for that. But uh, the point is, is, look, it's not happening. As much as the Raptors won on Sunday, 116-89 to 89, again, winning the series in the semifinals, going on to play Cleveland on Tuesday, it ain't happening. There's no chance. There's absolutely no chance that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to choke against a non-bench. Look, no bench, no bench, none. Look, I said it before the season. This team has to utilize their bench to be successful. I don't know how they got this far. I don't know how they didn't lose against the Pacers. I don't know how the Miami Heat choked last night with the depletion that they have as a big men. Maybe that's what depleted them, They're big men. But I mean, I don't know how they lost to a team who only scored 11 points off the bench. Look, the, the outside of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Eastern Conference is in complete shambles. It is an absolute travesty that the Cavs have to play in such a just a horrific conference and it, it, a cakewalk. I mean, it's not even a desert walk anymore. This is a cake walk through the east. This is the worst Eastern Conference I think we've ever seen. From the standpoint, look, we said it before the season, you know, during the season, oh, all the parity, are they looking good? Are they no. It was all fool's gold. And we said that from the onset too. We said, look, is the Eastern Conference really as good as we think it is? No, it's fool's gold. They they're all parity driven. They're all the same teams from about 10 through look, Wizards and Knicks all the way up through or the Milwaukee Bucks all the way up through the Toronto Raptors. They're all pretty much the same team. Similar systems, similar styles, similar grinded out fashion. There's not, look, this whole series between the heat and Raptors was grinded out fashion from the get go, from the get go. This entire series was grinded out, mash it up, get it going type mentality. Like, you know, 10 years ago, basketball 10 years ago is not going to work. You know, in today's game where you got guys flying up and down the court, shooting threes on the break, you name it. It, it. It's not happening. And, and for it to even be attempted and to have a chance, absolute joke to be talked about. The, the Raptors are going to get smoked. They're going to get absolutely smoked in this. Year. Speaking of getting smoked, okay, I know this is non-basketball related, but did any of you see uh, Rudnid Ru- Odor? You know where I'm going with this. He absolutely, absolutely clocked uh, Drake. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, I've heard the heard the term Drake. A guy that Jose Batista absolutely Fantastic fight. Look, I don't I don't support violence. I don't support any of that stuff. But you gotta admit, that was an unbelievable shot to the dome by one O'Dour, a shortstop for the for the Rangers last night. Unbelievable stuff in Major League Baseball. Finally, guys start to care more about the game. Now are they caring about minutial things and, and, and pointless stuff? Absolutely, but that's what baseball's all about. Baseball's all about the narrative. Baseball's all about the American passion, the passion of the game playing a young man's game, a, a, a boy's game. That's what the baseball is all about. And if, you, and if you debate that, then why are you watching the game? If you're upset that grown-ass men who are getting paid millions of dollars to play a children's game, really, this is a game built for kids between the ages of 5 and 18. That's what this game is built for. It's built for that. And if you can't, if you can't handle that they're going to act like boys on the diamond and fight over, over mon- just pointless things, then you're not watching the right sport. Get off talking about sports and get off talking about baseball because that's not what baseball is all about. This is why I don't have a baseball show. This is why I have a basketball show. Let's get back to it. Other news off the court outside of the weekend. Obviously only one series going on over the weekend after the closing out of all three of the other series. Uh, Rookie of the Year candidacy given out today. Carl Anthony Towns won Rookie of the Year unanimously, the fifth player all time in the with the award of Rookie of the Year uh, to get the award unanimously. I heard that Chris Porzingis got the award. Uh, he got second place. Uh, and I'm trying to look up the stats right now. But Carl Anthony Towns, you talk about a guy this year, Carl Anthony Towns was absolutely, un I mean, look, this was, look, we all talk about, we all debate about, uh, we all debate about Steph Curry getting unanimous rookie of the year when we look at it and we, and we talk about it, you know, when you start talking about uh, teams, like uh, when you start talking about the, uh, the circumstance in the NBA with, you know, these unanimous votings, we we all know that the MVP should have been, we all know that the MVP should have been obviously gone to a guy like, uh, like, like uh, Steph Curry. But when it comes to, uh, you know, Michael Jordan in the past, Allen Iverson, Shaq, and LeBron, you know, at one point, definitely, and maybe even Kobe at a certain point. Unanimous votes should be, I mean, come on, unanimous votes should be given out. Like, it's not, Carl Anthony Towns, 130 votes out of 130 getting first place in the MVP voting. Chris Daps has received 117 of the second place votes. Devin Booker, he came up ten points short of third, third place. Nikola Jokic actually finished uh, tie. He actually finished um, uh, third place in the voting. He had fifty nine points. Look, it was six fifty votes, six fifty points for Karl Towns to three sixty three for Chris Stapps, who finished second, and then fifty nine points for Nikola Jokic. It was obvious. Look, outside of maybe November and mid December, those first month that, that first month and a half, six weeks of the season, it was definitely up in the air. But prior to that, I mean, after that, it was all Carlton Towns. It was all cat cat dominated. Back to back years of rookie of the year nominations and and wins for the for the Minnesota Timberwolves. You talk about it. Uh, a job now for a guy like Tom Thibodeau to come out and absolutely get this team running and going over the next couple of years. This is going to be a project that's going to be fun to watch in the NBA for years to come. As you now have two of the more elite players that are going to be growing into their elite bodies and Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins for years to come in the NBA. And what's more fascinating about the, uh, the Andrew Wiggins rookie of the year is that it was only a year ago. What's so fascinating about it is it's been two years And the Cleveland Cavaliers traded Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love. Yeah, if you don't remember, that was what would have happened. Imagine if Andrew Wiggins was on this Cavs team now and how much better they might be without a guy like Kevin Love. But that's for a debate for another time. If you'd like to call in and talk about these awards and uh, what's going on in the NBA and these Eastern Conference and Western Conference previews that we're going to have here today, please feel free to do so. The phone number is 323-642-1558. If you're listening to the podcast – Holler. I love it. I love you out there. For those of you listening to the podcast, listening to Blog Talk Radio and your paid feature, maybe you're getting paid to listen to my my broadcast because it's in a paid feature. Maybe you're listening because maybe you're just trying to get a click on. That's fine. But if you actually love the game of basketball, please feel free to contact me and listen in. And if you'd like to come on to to the show and you'd like to talk about what's going to happen tonight, please feel free to do so. We got a phone number. We got a phone line. Yes, Drake, where are you at? We got a hotline blinger. On the phone line, the 404, yes, absolutely. 404, what's up? What's your name? How you doing, man? 404, you hear? Do you hear me? Maybe he's just listening. Maybe it's a spammer. I don't know. Let's refix that, uh, and let's check it out one more time. Okay, so he's back on the hold. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. 404, are you there? Can you hear me? Don't have him. He's probably just listening. That's totally cool. We got a caller on there, 404, if you'd like to call in and just uh, listen in. That's totally cool with me. If not, keep it on going. Uh, we, we, got, we got what's going on in the Eastern Conference Finals. Look, we had, uh, we had the rookie of the year in Carlton Towns go unanimous. And then on top of that, you also have to factor in what happened with uh, the re-coaching. Now, we all know Frank Vogel got fired about a week ago, two weeks ago in the nba and what did the indiana pacers need to do well they brought back a guy in nate mcmillan yes nate mcmillan we all know about him in the pacific northwest he was the coach of the seattle supersonics back in the day he also coached a team in the portland trailblazers back in the day and helped them get going to the way they're going nate mcmillan is has been reinstated reinstated he has been re-upped to become the new head coach in the nba as the for the indiana pacers and uh, I don't know where this is going to go, per se. I don't know if the Indiana Pacers have a real bright outlook on what he could do as the head coach. Now, obviously, he's been involved with the organization for the last couple of years, since 2013 being an assistant head coach. But at the same time, I mean, I mean, do they really know what they're going to do? Does, does Larry Bird know where this team is going to go? And what's interesting is, look, you just fired, you just fired Frank Vogel, okay? But, you're gonna br- but, but then you bring about, oh, you need a new voice. Uh, you're not really bringing in a new voice when you have Nate McMillan as the head coach. That doesn't make any sense to me. How can you logically tell me that a guy like Nate McMillan is going ha- to have a new voice? When he's been with the organization for three years now, and it's the same amount of time Frank Bogle's been the head coach. Uh, he's been the head coach for maybe four or five years now. And then he got let go. But, but then he comes in, and he's the assistant, and you're saying that's a new voice. This is where over the next couple of years we're really going to know the leadership skills of Larry Bird when it comes to getting this team over the hump. Sometimes, as we know, and this is, this is just a known fact, uh, general managers and front office people have more leeway than the head coaches and players. We just know that's just a fact. They all have longer tenures than not. But I would have to say, if you're an owner of the uh, of the Indiana Pacers, unless Larry Bird owns the team, which I'm pretty sure he does, but I don't know. The point is, is, is Larry Bird, when it comes to his capabilities in the front office of helping this team out, this is going to be a telling point. If this team falls off after losing Frank Vogel, it's going to speak to the leadership qualities of Larry Bird, how good of a coach Frank Vogel was, and the, uh, the, the future onlooking perspective of what the Pacers could do down the stretch. Now, if the Pacers don't play well next year, and Nate McMillan is, is, is the reason because they make, make, make bad coaching decisions down the stretch, or if the players don't listen to him or whatever, and it turns into kind of like a Chicago Bulls situation from a year ago. Because think about it, two years ago, or a year ago, last playoffs, when the Bulls were in the playoffs, if it wasn't for you know, honestly, if it wasn't for the Cavs, I think the Bulls would have represented the Eastern Conference. They were on their game last year. They were unbelievable. They were great. They just got stopped by the Cavs. They were actually the best team to challenge the Cavs in the postseason last year. I mean, you really want to break it down. They played the Celtics. They swept them. They played the Bulls. Pushed them to six. Then they played the then they played the Hawks. I believe they swept the Hawks. If not, if they didn't sweep them, it went five. And so the Bulls last year were unbelievable. They get rid of their head coach because they didn't feel the quote unquote you know. They didn't see the future with a guy like Tom Thibodeau. You got to kind of question Larry Bird and is wanting to get a new guy after he says he needs a new voice. You got to kind of question it. And so getting a guy like Frank Vogel uh, out of office but then bringing up a guy named McMillan, cool, cool story. You got Nate McMillan. He's not a bad coach. I love the guy. I think it's a good idea. But if your rationale is you need a new voice, you're not doing that. You needed a new voice. You needed a new head coach altogether. So it's going to be interesting to see where the Indiana Pacers go forward from here and see where they ultimately go moving ahead. Okay, Western Conference and Eastern Conference playoffs. Finals are here. The Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals are here. LeBron James is playing against DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Obviously the big three, I mean, Kevin Love, Kevin Love uh, Kyrie Irving, LeBron playing uh, – Kyle, Kyle Lowry and uh, and Demar Derozan, definite big time matchups in the NBA Eastern Conference. This is my prediction. I think the Cavs win in five. Look, I think the I think the, the Raptors will win one game at home. Because I honest honestly, I think the Cavs going back to Toronto is going to be a tough one. I think considering look, I know they've had a ton of rest. I get it. And even then, they're not going to play game three. They're not going to play. Think about this. I want you to think about this. This is, this is real deal, no, no BS type stuff. It's almost been 10 days since they'll play games going into tomorrow. Think about that. Going into tomorrow will be almost 10 days, probably nine days. It will almost have been two weeks to the day in, on game three on Saturday because the last time the Cavs played a basketball game was May 8th on the road. On the road, mind you. On the road was the last time the Cavs played a road game was May 8th. The next road game they'll play is May 21st. That is 13 days. 13 days without playing a road game. So, I think the Cavs will go on the road. They might struggle a little bit. It's a little different in Toronto. It is. It's different. It's tough to play there, but If the Cavs take game three, it will be a sweep. I can guarantee it. Now, if the Cavs lose game three, it's going to be a five-game series. I just don't see how the Raptors win more than one, honestly. And I'm being nice. I I think the Cavs, like I've mentioned, they are just flat out – I mean, like I've said since – I've said this since since June, January. So this is January, February. This team is head and shoulders – uh, knees and ankles, uh, ankles and toes above everybody in the East. It's just that simple. It's flat out that simple. I think the Cavs win it in five, and that's being nice to the Raptors. If I wasn't nice, I would say it's a sweep. I, I just think the Cavs are going to go 12-0 and 0 all the way to the NBA Finals going on to June 2nd. Western Conference Finals, this is what everyone wants to hear about. If you want to call in and talk about the Western Conference Finals, it starts tonight, half an hour from now. You got the, you got the last three MVPs of the NBA playing in tonight's for Game One of the Western Conference Finals, back-to-back, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. And honestly, uh, you know, the outside of last year, Steph Curry for the last two years has been the no-debate MVP of the NBA. It's just been a no-debate for the last two years. And then Kevin Durant, two years ago when he won the, or three years ago if you want to say three awards ago, two awards, whatever, he won the MVP in 2014. And looking at that, you could think, okay, and that was pretty much no debate as well. So, going into the Western Conference Finals, if you'd like to call in and talk about the Western Conference Finals, I'd love to hear your voice. Three two three six four two one five five eight is the number. But look, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, two of the best dynamic duo in the NBA, no debate. The best dynamic duo in the NBA, period. And then you got Steph Curry, Draymond Green, who, in my opinion, Draymond Green is the actual MVP of the team. From the standpoint of his mechanics and what he does, for the actual team. Now, is he the best player on the team? Heck no. That's Steph Curry. But when it comes to the actual value of the team, Draymond Green has the most value on that team. Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, the best backcourt in the NBA, and it's not even close. They're, 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 they're toes and cuticles uh, better than the entire NBA when it comes to the backcourt. They're that good. So, this and look, there's so many storylines going into this Western Conference Finals. I am just – I'm more than jacked. We've got 25 minutes until the game starts. I am just jacked about what to expect in this one. And to be honest, the main storyline, my favorite player in the NBA, Russell Westbrook, this is his time to shine. It was men- it's been mentioned on multiple radio shows today. The clock starts now for him. When it comes to becoming an NBA superstar, I mean, bo- he already is one, but when it comes to being a bona fide, no debate, absolute monster at the point guard position from the standpoint of in clutch moments – against the best player in the league right now from the standpoint of he won the MVP back-to-back years and Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook has had that notion of being the number two point guard in the NBA the last two years. And in my opinion, talent-wise, he's the best from the standpoint of athleticism, from the standpoint of pure hustle and grit and determination and everything you want to see in your in your player. That's what Russell Westbrook is. And I think, I don't think, I know, if he doesn't beat Curry, in this finals, or in the Western Conference Finals. Because, let's be honest, the Warriors have only won one Western Conference Finals. Granted, they won the NBA championship. But so has Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook went to the NBA... Look, look, this is something you need to understand, people. The Warriors have never beaten the Spurs in the NBA playoffs. Think about that. The Thunder... Well, granted, the Warriors have never had to face the Spurs in the NBA playoffs, so that's a whole different ballgame. But when it comes to when it comes to the Thunder... And the gold, and the Golden State Warriors, the Thunder have beaten the Spurs twice in the NBA playoffs. Twice. Once in the Western Conference Finals and once, obviously, this past series. And the way they did it in both those series was straight domination. Look, I'm not stupid. This This Thunder team has made it to an NBA Finals before. Look, and I know it's been four years since they did it. But they've been there. They've done it. Just like Golden State. Now, the difference is Golden State found a way to crown and get a championship. There's a big, huge, like, monumentous difference. When you win a title, it's way different than just winning the Western Conference Finals. It's way different. But at the same time, the Western Conference Finals this year, the main storyline to me is Russell Westbrook trying to find a way to become that ultimate superstar. And then the other storyline is Kevin Durant. Look, the book's still out on Kevin Durant. Last time I checked, he's still a free agent in a month and a half. He's still a free agent July 1st. People are still talking about him going to Washington, D.C. People are still talking about him going to uh, you know any other big market. People are still talking about him, you know, this, that, and this, X, Y, Z, ABC, 1, 2, 3. You know, they're still talking about it. So Kevin Durant, the book is still out on him. You know, just because he beat San Antonio in round two doesn't mean that if they can't beat the Warriors, he won't either join them or go to the Spurs and try and beat them with a better system. So, and knowing that Russell Westbrook's going to be a free agent next summer, about 13 and a half months from now, Russell Westbrook will be a free agent, and knowing that he's more than likely going to leave unless this team wins the title this year, which, don't get me wrong, is more than possible, especially with how this series is matching up, and especially with how daunting of a task the big man rotation for the Warriors is going to be for the Golden State the, the rotation that the Thunder have against the Golden State Warriors, the Warriors are not going to have an easy time facing this team in the, uh, in the Oklahoma City Thunder. It is going to be an absolute mash fest. And I, I anticipate a game tonight where I think the Warriors get off to a hot start. and I think they play well, but I think like we saw against the Spurs, I think the Thunder slowly start to figure it out over time. They make their adjustments. They make their tweaks. They make their, they get their DW 40. They rehash the oil. They re squeak the wheels, and they're going to find ways to really nip and bud this Golden State Warrior team, and they're going to find a way to ultimately get in their heads. Now, will they beat Golden State? Look, that's up for debate. I don't know how this series ultimately is going to end, but I think the Thunder are really, really going to prove that they're the team that, that, that Golden State did not want to face. And a lot of people have been saying that. A lot of people have been saying that the mismatch is totally there with Golden State and what they've been going through. A lot of people are just mentioning that in general. But sit back for a moment and recognize what this Thunder team just did. They just beat the San Antonio Spurs in six games. With LaMarcus Aldridge going off, you know, their system and what they did. They, they, they darn near in the last two games of the series shut down, if not the last three games of the series, shut down the Spurs system. Something clicked for the Thunder. And they found a way to ultimately figure out the San Antonio Spurs, which, don't get me wrong, is an absolute tra- Unbelievable all by itself. But for them to get it done the way they did, unique, incredible. Uh, it, it's, it's terrifying from the standpoint of they have a lot of time to go with these guys. These guys are young. Cantor and Adams are young on that front line. You got guys like Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, who if they decide to stay for the next couple of years, if they decide to stay and re-sign contracts, they become terrifying. Because now what's happening, you're not just seeing a Thunder team with talent. You're seeing a, talent, a Thunder team with trust. And when you start to see a team with trust, capability, with the talent and the individual talent on the on top of it, you're looking at a team that absolutely could test the Warriors all the way to the bone. Now, we've just talked about the Thunder and how well they've been, but the Warriors—they've had one extra day of rest, two extra days of rest, you know, since uh, since the Warriors since the uh, since the Thunder clinched. Both teams are pretty much at the same amount of rest. The Warriors also have an issue where Steph Curry said that he is not still not as healthy as he should be. Don't get me wrong, I think Steph's going to be fine, but that is a concern for the Warriors. Warriors can't beat the can't beat the Thunder if they uh, if if they don't have a healthy Steph Curry. It's that simple. Russell Westbrook will absolutely annihilate the the Golden State Warriors front line if 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 uh, only Ian Clark and Leandro Barbosa and Sean Livingston are guarding him. Now, would that create a moment, moment for Sean Livingston to come in and be like, "Okay, I can guard Russell Westbrook. That would make that would make Sean Livingston probably one of the greatest, probably one of the greatest uh, be- players off the bench of all time. They would probably have to rename the six man award Sean Livingston Award. I'm serious because if if Sean Livingston has to play extensive amount of minutes and he finds a way to slow down Russell Westbrook in the scenario that Curry doesn't play very often, which I don't think is going to happen, but if it did. <laughs> You're talking about a. You're, you're going to need to re receive that sixth man of the year award because Sean Livingston will have been that, and he will win the MVP of the Western Conference Finals. It's that simple. So from the standpoint of this series, you got the big lineup of the Oklahoma City Thunder, which has been absolutely dominant and terrifying over the last three games that they've played because they've won the last three games. And then you also have to factor in, the Golden State Warriors, seventy-three wins. Steph Curry, four hundred threes. Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. Draymond Green, in my opinion, winning MVP of that last series, no debate. I mean, granted, Steph Curry had a really good game four and brought the house down with his shooting, but at the same time, Draymond Green's impact on the team was, in my opinion, more than important because if he didn't impact the games the way he did, I don't think that team comes out of that series unscathed. I think it goes seven. Really, I mean, with the way Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum played, in my opinion now, heading into the offseason, they're in the, they're, they're the top two discussion of backcourts in the NBA. They matched Clay Thompson and Steph Curry when they were on the floor. They matched them. If that doesn't spell, I mean, top two in the NBA, what, what does? They've got to be number two. Teams outside of Curry and Thompson, they've got to be McCollum and Lillard now. It has to be. It has to be in the backcourt. So when you look at the Golden State Warriors and what they have – they play small, they play effective, they play their game, and their game is scary because you don't want to emulate and go with what the Thunder do. Because you can't. No one can. No one can do what the Thunder do. No one can. But seventy three and nine proves that. These last two series, which they've played ten games overall, five game series combined, is proven that. They, they can't you cannot play their game to stay with them. The Portland Trailblazers proved that. They tried to outshoot them, couldn't do it. The, uh, the team they played in the first round, I believe it was, so they were the one seed, the eight seed, the Rockets. Rockets tried to outshoot them. Couldn't do it. They tried to play their individual game. Couldn't do it. You cannot play the Golden State Warriors like you are the Golden State Warriors because you can't play like the Golden State Warriors. It's just as simple. You cannot imitate their style of basketball to beat them. Even though their style of basketball is trend-setting and transformative to the game, you cannot play Draymond Green. You can't play LeBron James at the center and try and beat them. You cannot play Kevin Durant at the center and try and beat them. You need to ba- bank on guys like Steven Adams, Enos Cantor, Deion Waiters coming off the bench, Randy Foy coming off the bench, Anthony Morrow coming off the bench, guys off the bench to really contribute. I ultimately think the main key to this series, obviously the storylines are there, Kevin Durant, uh, Steph Curry's health, Draymond Green and his impact on the team, uh, Russell Westbrook trying to become a superstar, those are there. But the other, I think the main key to this series is obviously hustle is going to be a main key. But when it comes to bench play, the bench play of the Oklahoma City Thunder is going to be absolutely 100, I think 95 to 100% the reason why who wins this series. Because. As we know, the Golden State Warriors bench is turning into a legendary juggernaut. base. Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, Leandro Barbosa, uh, you got guys like Festus Ezeli. You've got a bench there in Golden State. You know, Anderson Vareja, whenever he plays, you've got a bench there in Golden State that is absolutely dominant and unbelievable. And don't get me wrong, the Thunder are just as deep. The difference, and as we all know, the difference – is that in late-game situations, in situations where the second unit comes on the floor, or at least a majority or portions of the second unit come on the floor, it's the trust, it's the system, it's the understanding. I think the Thunder, somewhere in that Spurs series, found a way to trust Billy Donovan and their system whenever they come into the ballgame and switch out personnel. I think they have figured it out, and I think the Thunder – coming down the stretch here over this playoff series over the last week or so have figured out their personnel to the best they possibly could, and they've hit their peak. I think the Warriors have kind of, you know, from a standpoint of like a game of battery, you know, if you go and touch the pole, you're you're the most charged up, and so if you tag someone who's less charged than you, they're out. But if they tag you and they're more charged than you, you're out. I think if you know what I'm talking about, and if you're not a millennial, go play it. It's a fun game. Get outside and go play it. It's summertime in about a month but the point is is if you go and you the warriors haven't changed their style. Warriors haven't changed their style necessarily all season long. Why have they needed to? They've only lost 9 games and overall they've lost 11 games all year. This team, think about this, this team, the Golden State Warriors, they're 81 and 11 or excuse me, they're yeah, they're 81 and 11 in 92 games this year they've won 81. That is stupid. Like I don't care who you are. That is absolutely dumb. Imagine a baseball team starting off the season 81 and 11. Just, just imagine. Can you imagine? Could you just just fathom that? How ridiculously stupid that would be. If a team in baseball started off the season 81 and 11. I think people would abso- actually start jumping off of ridges because they would think that, they would think the world is ending because that's not supposed to happen. That's not physically possible. That's what the warriors are doing but they haven't needed to change their system. Now, throughout the season, have they needed to tweak some things? Have they needed to fix personnel because of injuries or because of guys resting or because of certain things? Yes. Yes, they have. They did it during this postseason. They can do it again. They're just that good. They're they're just that good. It comes down to that. Now, though, what ultimately the question also, outside of the bench being played and, and the personnel and the bench, that the Warriors need to play because that will dictate the series. I think whoever's bench outperforms the other is going to win because Westbrook and Curry are going are to cancel each other out. It's going to happen. They're going to cancel each other out. Uh, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant are going to cancel each other out in different ways on the court. Draymond Green is going to impact the court in a different way. Kevin Durant's going to score the ball. He's going to score 20 a night. You know that's happening. And you know guys like Enos Cantor and, uh, and Sam Adams are going to come in and they're going to play well against the guy. And, and Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is also going to be a question mark because – how is Deion Waiters going to fare with a guy like Clay Thompson? How is he going to do that? Now maybe Russell Westbrook plays defense on him, but they'll figure that out as they go. Clay Thompson's also going to be a problem, but at the same time, when it comes to the personnel situation and who to trust and who to get to on the court, you talk about the Thunder and their ability to adjust. If their peak was that San Antonio Spurs series, the final two and a half games of that series, where they really figured it out, I really think. I really think that the Warriors are going to struggle. Do I think they're going to lose this series? I don't think so. I think the Warriors win this series. And honestly, if the Warriors win this series in less than seven, it would really deem how great this this team is. It it would. It would deem how unbelievably great they are. Not that they already are. They're already unbelievably great, but – they would only be that much greater if they shut down the Thunder in less than seven. I I think this has got to be a seven-game series, not just from the standpoint of media and ratings. I just think that both these teams, the way they played all season long against one another, tough games down the stretch, the only problem was, was execution down the stretch from the Thunder. The Thunder showed none of that in every single victory they had against the Spurs. They showed no problem down the stretch against the Spurs. And that's the Spurs. And don't get me wrong, the Spurs do not have the talent right now that the Warriors have right now. They don't. Do the Spurs have a better system? Probably. But do they have the talent? No. The Warriors have the talent to make up for some mistakes and some problems that the Thunder may not be able to compensate for. But if the Thunder can trust, play their game, and find ways to be calm and collectible down the stretch, along with some spurts from Russell Westbrook from time to time, where he plays dynamic and crazy and and, and out-of-control defense, I, I think the Thunder will push the Warriors beyond that. And if the Warriors can make it a less than seven-game series, I'm, I'm telling you, I think this Warrior team is, is going to win the title. And, I've, and I'm going to sit here and tell you, I still think the Cavs are going to win the title. I still think if you, if you put a gun to my head and you told me what I think would happen in a month from now, depending upon what happened in the Eastern-Western Conference Finals, I still think the Cavs win the finals. I think the Cavs, this series, I've, and I've said this from the beginning of the playoffs and i said this from the beginning of the season, really if the Western Conference Finals is going to be as brutal as we think it is and as brutal as it's looked, I'm telling you, I think whoever comes out of the West is going to be absolutely beaten up and the Cavs are going to be sitting there on a week's rest and they're just going to be sitting there waiting, licking their chops, ready to prove to, especially especially if it's the Warriors, they're going to be sitting there ready to prove to them that what happened last year was a fluke. And they're going to absolutely hand them their butts, and I think they'll dominate. Now, the Thunder is a different story. If the Thunder come out of this series against the Warriors, woo, that's going to go seven. I think that's going to go seven. Between, war, between, between the Thunder and the Cavs, that is going to be a slobber knocker. I, oh, man, I can't. I Just thinking about it will be unbelievable. Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook, ooh, LeBron, KD. Ooh, what else do you need? going to be crazy, but this series, the Western Conference Finals, my prediction, look, don't put a gun to my head. I have no idea. I really don't because I said the same thing if the Spurs were to come in. It's going seven. That's all I know. I think the Warriors win in seven, and it's not because I don't believe in Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook or that team. Oklahoma City is – the way they play against the Spurs, look, and I'm a Spurs fan. I'll tell you all day. I've been one since I was born. I say this every time I talk about the Spurs. I'm a Spurs fan, and I take away my objective. Look, every single game the Thunder beat us, they were the better team. Every single game, they were the better team. We didn't choke. We didn't play bad. Yes, we missed open buckets when we should have made them, but that did not dictate the pace of the game that the Thunder controlled throughout, especially in the second half of those ball games when they beat us. That's just what it was. The Thunder came out and they played the better basketball. They did, dominated, did what they were supposed to do, and they played their game to a T. And their game plan was absolutely unbelievable. And it, and it was, I mean, it was something I hadn't seen from the Thunder. Everyone's and look, that's the other thing. Everyone's expecting the Thunder to screw up all the time. They didn't against against a team where you cannot screw up down the stretch. They did it. So what's going to change against the Warriors? The only difference is the Warriors have more talent. That's it. They still play great team basketball. They just have more talent. It's just that simple. That's the only thing that they're going to gonna have to compensate for. And considering the, war, the, the, the Thunder found enough to get over the Spurs, I think they have enough to do the same against the Warriors. Either way, however you slice it, dice it, talk about it, this Western Conference Finals is going to be one. I mean, look, I said it would be the greatest one if the Spurs went. I, I still think this is a year where we see, with the matchups especially, classic. Instant classic. This is going to be a Western Conference Finals we're going to remember for years to come. The uh, Hooper's Log, Episode 140, is, is pretty much in the books. If you'd like to call in and talk one more time, the phone number is 323-642-1558. We can get you in a phone call if you'd like to call in. If not, we're going to end the show here shortly. Uh, again, Carlton Anthony Towns winning Rookie of the Year. Again, the phone number one more time, 323 642 eight is the number. If you'd like to call in and talk about these Western Conference, Conference Finals and preview and predict, please feel free to do so. Um, but, again, Carl Anthony Towns winning Rookie of the Year. Uh, Nate McMillan being, uh, being promoted to the head coaching job for the Indiana Pacers. Um, a lot going on. Not a lot going on tomorrow. The lottery balls will be picked. I said it would be picked uh, Wednesday. I was wrong. We will recap for that for you on Wednesday and talk about it for you and talk about the potential of the picks. We'll go frenzy and we'll go crazy, and we'll also talk about both game ones on Monday and Tuesday. Because again, we're not doing t- Tuesday shows anymore. We're gonna we're only gonna do Tuesday Thursday shows starting uh, in two weeks when the NBA Finals begin. Once the NBA Finals are upon us, that is when we will go to Tuesday Thursday. That's two weeks from now. Don't worry about it. As of now, we're doing Monday Wednesday Friday. We'll be back on Wednesday, and we'll be here for you, and we'll be prepped and ready to go to help get you. To your NBA Finals preview. Yeah, we've got about a minute left on the show. Thank you again for listening, everybody. If you're listening to the podcast, you are in for a treat today. You got about ten minutes till the game starts. Five minutes till the game starts. I'm about to go grab a beer. I'm about to go have a good time. I'm about to have some fun. I'm about to watch the Western Conference Finals. It is gonna look this game tonight. If you're not taping it, if you're not gonna replay it, if you're not gonna rewatch it and do what I'm gonna do, oh god, this is gonna be unbelievable. This is going to be a series that we're never going to forget. I'm just writing it down. I don't need to tell you once. I don't need to tell you twice. Get to your TV. Turn on TNT. Get hyped. Get excited. They're in Golden State. I'm sure Charles Barkley saying something stupid about uh, big women in San Antonio because they lost the Oklahoma City Thunder. It is going to be an unbelievable series. Have a good one, everybody. I'll see you on Wednesday for episode 141. We'll talk about the Lottery Bowl. We'll talk about the Western Eastern Conference playoffs. And we'll be back on Wednesday. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Have a good watching the playoff. Thank you, everybody. Bye.